Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome into another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We are in the offseason, but it is time to do a little bit of a look at the 2020 football schedule that was released uh, just over a week ago now. Uh, we got the article up on the website, but now uh, we're bringing in Josh Marlowe with us, of course. Uh, he's our in-season guy to discuss uh, what will be a relative, a, a challenging, but also uh, a one that is... Uh, able to be navigated schedule uh, for the 2020 season, uh, one that is receiving just a ton of hype already uh, out of the gate here as we uh, are just in the early stages of the offseason. Long way to go, but a lot of Tar Heel fans excited about what 2020 could hold. Yeah, this is a schedule that uh, it offers a lot for Carolina um, in terms of getting some national exposure with some success early on the gate. But they're also big-time games, and this is a team that, you know, last year went 7-6, and six, struggled with some middle-of-the-road teams. They're going to have to be better in those kind of games this year. But, you know, we, we've talked about it all, all year long. This offseason is going to be as probably hyped as we've been a part of, and the schedule was no different. When we got the schedule, we were all kind of like, okay, what games are we going to, and uh, what games can we win? And it's going to be a lot of fun, and they 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 start out right away with some big time games that I think you know is going to be good for this team. Well, our first trip to Keenan Stadium this year will actually be in April. We're going to go for the spring game. I just wanted to touch on this just really quickly to ask you, what are you kind of looking forward to most in this game? I know from my perspective, uh, there's a couple of things. Of course, uh, the trenches are, are, are the big talk, but I'm really excited to see the backup quarterback battle and see a healthy Jace Reuter go up against a guy in Jacoby Criswell that people are really, really excited about his future in this offense. This is probably the boring answer. Uh, I'm excited to see Sam Howell. How much has he progressed in the offseason? How much more comfortable does he look in this offense? What has he gotten better at? Um, 
And then defensively, it's how do the guys look in the second year of Jay Bateman's scheme? You kind of saw the last three games, they finally learned their spots in the defense, how to make plays, how do those guys that are returning look in year two of Jay Bateman? That is a boring answer. Another acceptable answer would have been the cornerback battle, which is going to be loaded this offseason uh, with guys like Bryce Watts, uh, Kyler McMichael. That's going to be a lot eligible. of fun. That's there, there are a lot of talent. Um, I think th- you know it's going to be interesting to see how they build depth, especially uh, in your area that you, uh, you, you covered for us this past year uh, in the trenches, both on the offensive, but especially on that defensive line. So a ton of great stuff. We'll be talking about that as we get a lot closer. But now let's get into the actual schedule, the beef the schedule, believe it or not, is is pretty much early in the year. We're going to learn a lot about this team in the first two weeks of the season. And of course, it will start on a Friday night to begin the season uh, on September 4th at Central Florida. So this game will be played in Orlando. It's played in an NFL stadium. So, I mean, it's or not an NFL stadium, but it's a it seems like an NFL stadium with how big it is. Uh, Bright House uh, Stadium in Orlando. And man, it's... Uh, It's a fantastic matchup. Uh, This was one that I think before last year when we saw that this was on the schedule, we were like, okay, this is going to be an extremely difficult game. I don't think it's seen as being as difficult now um, just because we saw Central Florida take a step back. I I, I still think Central Florida is a really good football team. I just don't know if they're quite in that same range that they were under Scott Frost. But this is still a very legitimate football team, and and the Tar Heels have to be prepared for what should be a very exciting opener to the season on a Friday night. Yeah, I mean, it's a good chance for you to measure yourself up against a program that a couple years ago won a national championship. Um, You get to go on the road. Um, it's going to be a nationally televised game. Uh, Central Florida is the premier group of five program in college football. Um, and it's going to be a very good environment for this Carolina team that if, if they're going to take the next step, these are the kind of games you got to win. I know Mac Brown doesn't like the game being on Friday. I get that. Uh I don't mind it because you get an extra day to prepare for your Week 2 game at Auburn. You're going to need a lot of preparation for that game. Um, But really, really excited. I know we're thinking about making the trip down there to go watch that game. That's Uh, one of the ones that's being tossed around. So, uh, And and the the quarterback matchup, assuming that McKenzie Milton's back, him and Sam Howell, that game could be what quarterback has the ball last is going to win the ball game. Well, either way, it's going to be a good one because Dylan Gabriel – the true freshman from this past year, he had a fantastic true freshman season. I mean, we we heard a lot, of course, about Sam Howell, who broke all sort of true freshman records. Wasn't on the same level as that, but this was a guy that was, you know, we, we heard about Keaton Slovis from USC, who had a great year. You had uh, Jaden Daniels out at Arizona State, who had a fantastic year. But Dylan Gabriel was one of the best quarterbacks in the group of five this past year and did it as a true freshman. So either way, that quarterback battle is going to be great. Um, you know, and again, this is a team that I, you're, you're kind of right. I think they're one of the top teams in the group of five. I wouldn't say they're the they're the 
most prestigious. I would still go with Boise State right now because what Brian Harson's doing there, still keeping what Chris Peterson had there going, it's been fantastic. But I definitely think they've got a case. And look, they play in the AAC, so they're going to be battle tested. They this is a team that is experienced. So I'm definitely uh, I'm excited to see uh, you know what Carolina is going to see from the Knights. They got to be ready and prepared. You mentioned it. They get eight days and then they play Auburn. Now they play in the Georgia Dome, which is actually very interesting. Can you name the the last time that they played uh, against Auburn? Can you name that? 2001 in the Peach Bowl. Where was that game played? Probably in Georgia. In Atlanta. It was actually played in Atlanta in the old, in the old Georgia Dome. So they're going to, uh, this will be just the second meeting uh, in the last 20 years between the two teams. And look, both teams are, are, are pretty much making to look a statement or are looking to make a statement early in the year. Uh, you've got two true freshman quarterbacks from a year ago that um, were, were pretty much the talk of the nation. Sam Howell had a fantastic year. Bo Nix was, you know, he was he was good at, at times, but did struggle against some of the better defenses that he saw in the SEC. So it'll be interesting to see if he takes that next step forward. And, and again, this is one of those games that I think if, if, if you're Carolina, if you win this game, this is where people are going to start to take you seriously. And for Auburn, they're going to be a team that is looking to you know step up in the SEC West. Look, LSU lost a lot. Alabama, you know, we, they still have some questions because it's either going to be a true freshman at quarterback or Mac Jones who seems a little bit limited. So Auburn's that next team that can maybe take that step up. Either way, even with all that Auburn's going to lose on defense, this is a really stiff test for the Tar Heels in Week Two. Yeah, this is going to be we're talking about a measuring stick. This is going to see how you stack up. <laughs> Uh, Auburn's got legitimate dudes in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They've got skill position players as good as any any team in college football. Gus Malzahn um, gets a lot of flack for what he's done. Uh, last year beat Oregon, beat Alabama with a guy as a true freshman quarterback that wasn't as uh, sensational as Sam Howell was in terms of stats. He may be more gifted as an individual athlete than Sam Howell is. And this is a guy that is going to be quarterback matchups. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and for Carolina, you know, your national exposure. You're in the Georgia. Last time you were there, you didn't look all that great against Georgia to open the year back in 2016. But these are, these are the games that Mac Brown wants this program to play in more consistently. you got to be able to go in there and compete. And I think it would be a good test. Um you got to think Carolina gets that win at Central Florida. They beat Auburn. You're two and zero. Right. Then there's legitimate talk about you being a team that can cause noise on a national scale. So that's what I like about right. the schedule was you're not you're not waiting until back in 2015 where you had to get to nine and one, ten and one for anyone started talking about you. This schedule sets up where you take care of business early. There you have no choice but to talk about you because who you're playing against. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. It honestly sets up kind of like that 2010 season did before everything set in with with the NCAA where. They, they faced LSU in Atlanta to begin the season. And then remember, the next week they opened conference play against Georgia Tech. If everybody had been active, I mean, and they go 2-0, Carolina would have probably been a top-10 team. 
I don't know if this team will be in the top 10. It just kind of depends on where they're ranked in the preseason rankings, which I think will probably be somewhere in the mid-20s. They'll be ranked in the top 25. I'm saying like 22, maybe maybe high 20s. I think that's kind of the range they're going to be in. But you're right. It's uh, it's We're going to learn a lot about them early on as to whether or not uh, they're ready to step up and, and sort of you know, take that next step to be uh, not only a, a competitor in the coastal, but on the national level. After that, it gets a little bit easier, but not maybe as easy as some people would think. September 19th, the home opener. It'll be in Keenan Stadium against James Madison. Uh, look, the Toriels have faced this team three times. They're 3-0 and against them, but this is a totally different James Madison team than they've had in the past. Of course, you remember the last time that they came to Chapel Hill in 2016. They had the lead for most of the first quarter. Carolina had to fight their way uh, back and found a way to win 56-28, to pulling away late. But this is a team that just went to the FCS National Championship again, even under first-year head coach Kurt Signetti. And uh, look, that this year, I know that they're going to lose a lot from this year's team, but this is one of those FCS programs that if you don't come prepared for the game, they could catch you. It's not going to be like Mercer from this past year. Yeah, no. Um, James Madison is, is a legitimate uh, FCS school. They may be a school that we may be seeing the next few years that maybe makes that jump to, I'd like to, to the it. Division One level. Mm-hmm. Um, they got talent. They're 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 well coached. I I also think this is a good a really good test too because you're going to come back from two very tough games to start the year, but there's no let up. It's okay. You still got to keep grinding as you get prepared for the the conference game in a weird way. Isn't this game maybe easier than that game against UConn they have in in November? Is it easier? Yeah. No, no, no. You're I mean, harder. Yeah, harder. harder. Yes, yeah. definitely. I think UConn is one of the worst teams that I have ever seen in my entire life on paper. So they are horrible. They're, the statistics are are just awful for UConn. But we'll talk about them later. But yeah, no, I agree. I think I think James Madison's a tougher test than them. And we'll we'll do that when we get closer to the year, where we'll go through and do uh, the easiest to hardest games as we did last year. But yeah, I think that. You've got to be really careful with a team like James Madison because remember back when they started the season ranked in 2014 and almost got caught by Liberty. And they were not nearly as good as this team was, but it it still shows that if you don't come prepared, these high-level FCS programs, they, they, they can throw you off guard. They can catch you. They can beat you. So, yeah, you got to be ready. Next, they dive into conference play September 26th. It is uh, their uh, conference home opener against Georgia Tech. Uh, of course, you guys know last year, 38-22 win. Really just a, a great overall performance. The first real dominant performance that the Tar Heels had all year uh, was in that game against Georgia Tech. But Georgia Tech's going to take another step this offseason, you would think. They're starting to get some transfers in, as well as, uh, of course, brought in a recruiting class that fits what Jeff Collins wants to do. I still think that this is going to be a a Georgia Tech team that's going to have some struggles in 2020. I still think the Tar Heels will be favored in this game. But this is a team that, in the next couple of years, Jeff Collins is going to have going somewhere. He's He's a hell of a coach. 
And this is one of those games that, you know, Carolina, if they're going to win the ACC Coastal, they've got to have this one. Yeah, I think you said right there, you want to win the Coastal, these are the kind of games that you got to take care of. Uh, you get them at home, you went to their place last year and kicked their ass. But like you said, this is a team that is trending in the right direction. We're very, really big fans of Jeff Collins. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the game that around my birthday, so I'll be in attendance for most yeah. likely. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot, and look, these these are the kind of games that when Mac Brown was here the first time, that Carolina won hand over fist. So it's going to be interesting to see how close are we to that, because you you want to be respected on the national level. You can't lose at home to Georgia Tech, not when Georgia right. Tech's in transition. Um, and it would be you know home game at Chapel Hill, ACC. You expect a, a, a pretty good crowd. Pretty interested to see. Uh, how that game would look against Georgia Tech in Keenan Stadium. Every time that they've they've been there, they've been running that boring offense. Um, so it would be a, a different uh, thing for the Tar Heel fans in, in attendance to see them in person. Okay, they're still going to run the ball a lot like they did a year ago. Again, it's still a it's still a transition for them, but you feel like with them bringing in some of the guys that they just brought in in this last recruiting class, Jeff Sims, the quarterback uh, that was committed to Florida State at one time, a more traditional passing quarterback as opposed to what they've had in the past. So yeah, that I, I think you're right. This will be the first time that we'll be seeing Georgia Tech without the triple option uh, in Keenan Stadium. Uh, we'll see how Carolina can handle that. Next, uh, this is the start of the stretch that I think is really, really important. And it starts on October, October 3rd at Virginia. And now look, I'm one of those guys that, look, I think Virginia is going to take a pretty significant step back just because look at everything that you're losing. I I get it. I I think there's a chance. And when I say a significant step back, I mean this team will probably still make a bowl game. But I don't know if they're going to be one of those teams that's going to be highly picked in the preseason. And I don't know if they're a team that is, you know, going to – find a way to beat the competitors at the top of the ACC Coast or the ones that we're penciling in right now. Um, I mean, you lose Bryce Perkins, that's huge. Uh, Just an extremely talented quarterback that's gone. Uh, They still will return a a decent amount of guys, but I mean, look, if they're going to win, it's it's going to be on the defensive side of the football. And, you know, for Carolina, I feel like, you know, at this point in the year, your offense if it does come out of the gate and struggle just a little bit to get itself going, which we're hoping not, uh, this it'll be in full motion by then. And, and I think uh, it's going to be interesting, but this is another one of those games that you feel Carolina should have uh, just because it feels like Virginia is going to take a little step back. Yeah, we're going to really learn this year just how far Bronco Mendehall's brought that Virginia program. He's done a fantastic job mm-hmm. since he took over there in Charlottesville. But like you said, you're coming off an ACC championship game appearance. You went to the Orange Bowl where you competed with Florida, but you're losing the guy that was a big part of all that, Bryce Perkins, a guy that torched the Tar Heels in Keenan Stadium last year. Um, so we're going to see where they're at, but I, I feel like this is a game that Carolina should win. And right, if, right. You know, I think this game falls in the category of you want to you want to play in Charlotte in December. This is one of those must games. You haven't beaten Charlotte in two. It was the last two years you've fallen to them. So no, this is Virgi- Virginia. Yeah, 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 Virginia. So. Um, it, yeah, last three. It's, yep. it's been a struggle for this program. I mean, when, when we grew up, we kicked, we beat Virginia easily. It was, I mean, for all. Oh, all I remember the watching. Time. 
So was it 2012 or 13? Watching them play in uh, Charlottesville on my computer upstairs because they only had it on ESPN three at the time. So I and then destroyed them. Uh, I think it was what 44 to 10 the final, something around that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That's pretty much what we got accustomed to. Then it became okay. Each year we we we'd play them. They would keep the game close, but we would always find a way to survive. Now they've been, you know, they, they've had the Toriel's number the last few seasons. But I think the most encouraging thing is you look at that team last year that played against them in the night game uh, where they lost uh, 38-31. You know, that was a game that we were saying, okay, if Carolina wins, they've still got a chance to win the ACC Coastal. But remember the guys that were on the field in that game. That was about the lowest point of the season for Carolina in terms of injuries where you pretty much had no one left. I mean, I I think... I can't remember if it was that game or if it was Pittsburgh. I believe it was that game where you had... Uh, Storm Duck leave the game, leaving Greg Ross and DeAndre Hollins really as your only experienced options at, at corner. And so Carolina almost found a way to win that game. I think it sets up pretty well for them this year. Uh, one thing of note for Virginia, Bryce Hall, the cornerback, uh, extremely talented. He'll be back next year. So that, that, that defense should still be pretty good. But uh, I think you're right. In terms of where... You know, Bronco Mendenhall has the program. It, this is the year we're going to find out a lot about that. Now we move on to October 10th, and this is probably, in the preseason, the game of the year in the conference slate. Maybe even the game of the year overall just because of what it could mean in the long run. Uh, it is against Virginia Tech. Of course, uh, last year, the heartbreaking six-overtime loss uh, to the Hokies, 43-41. to um, You know, th- this is another one of those years where you feel like coming in, we've, we've talked about it so many times whenever we play Virginia Tech. It is one of the big factors that goes into determining what the ACC Coastal picture looks like this year, I think it's going to have a massive, massive uh, effect on the overall outcome of the Coastal. Yeah, this is the game that, you know, in the middle of October probably will decide who represents the Coastal in the ACC Championship game. I, I was See, I was surprised to see that game in October. I thought the ACC would try to schedule that matchup in November because – on paper, those are probably the two best teams on that side of the division. Uh, but outside of that, really going to be a, a big test for the Tar Heels. Um, last year, six overtime loss in a game that really Carolina gave them the game multiple times. They had the game won yep. and couldn't yep. finish the job. So you're going to have that kind of aspect feeding into it. Um, Virginia Tech, who knows, Fuente may be you know, on the hot seat entering this year, so there's going to be some motivation from him. That's also been he a can, program yeah, that, I mean, a, another year where attrition of transfers just leaving Blacksburg uh, hand over fist. And it's, I mean, it's, what, the third straight year? They're, they're, losing, they're losing good players. Um, but still going to be a big game. Right. Virginia Tech views Carolina as a rivalry in some respects in football. Don't get it. Their fans are going to show up. Their fans are going to show up and be right. loud. 
will be a fun environment at Keenan Stadium that afternoon. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be a really, really hostile one, and I hope it is not an afternoon game. I am pulling for a night game for that one. I think that would be uh, the one. If the ACC is going to put it at night, that would probably be the one to go to there. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech, look, last year lost Hendon Hooker in the middle of the game. He's coming back. Um, they do return their running back to Sean McLeese. Um, but you mentioned, I mean, look, Damon Hazleton, the wide receiver, transferring. Uh, Hezekiah Grimsley, another one of their starting wide receivers, transferring. So it's it's interesting because when you look, really the offensive side of the ball this year is the side that got affected. Remember last year, they, that was the side that really got beat up when they lost guys like Trayvon Hill. Um, but, but they're still going to return some really good players. Here's the thing about this game. You want to talk about a game that's going to be won in the trenches, that's the game there. Because everybody that dominated you a year ago is back. So they've got to be ready to go because they were destroyed in the trenches this past year. I mean, that was an embarrassing performance by the offensive line a year this past year in Blacksburg. They're going to have to be much better in this game uh, if they're going to hope to win, and, and I think Carolina definitely has a chance. Uh, then they move on. October 17th is at Duke. Of course, last year, you guys know the uh, remarkable finish with the Chad Surratt interception on the jump pass uh, by Duke to win the game. Uh, late, uh, they win it 20-17. to Carolina uh, going into 2020, pretty much going to expect uh, another tough game for the Blue Devils. That seems to be what uh, they've been doing since uh, David Cutcliffe came to Durham, but this is another one of those teams that, look, they lose Quentin Harris. They're losing their starting running back, Brenton Brown, to the transfer portal. Uh, some guys that did graduate defensively. That's probably where they're going to have a chance this year, again, is on the defensive side of the football. But this is one of those teams where right now you're looking in an ACC Coastal that has so much parity. I think Georgia Tech and Duke are, are the two right now that are kind of below the other five that are in, in, in the division. Yeah, a lot of importance on this game. Um, in-state game, rivalry. Mac Brown has expressed to no ends the importance of winning those kind of games. There's going to be pressure to go out there and win uh, the game, especially with last year, because that was a game that Carolina controlled for 55 minutes and barely and almost gave it away. Thank God for Chas Surratt. Um Carolina wants to win the Coastal or be playing a meaningful games in November, you got to win at Duke. It's it's really that simple. Um, Larry Fedora's job was lost because of inability to win these kind of games. Carolina's going to have the better quarterback, more talent, better coaching, really no excuse to go there and lose again because the rivalry isn't as heated with them in, in football as it is uh, in other sports. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to say about that. I expect yeah, to win. Just trying to avoid three straight losses uh, in their building. Uh, I mean, which is what? a joke. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they literally have zero fan support, so Toriel fans should have no problem getting. To that should be a Keenan. That, that should so. be our seventh home game. So there you go. Uh, October 24th, still on the road. This time they go down to Miami, um, and this one, this one's kind of interesting. We don't really know. Again. We have no clue what Miami is. At this point, should we even venture a guess? Because every year we we think, okay, this is the year Miami finally gets it together. And I had told you last year when they made the hire of Manny Diaz, it's a little too too big of a job for a guy that is the a, a first-time head coach. 
and it kind of showed, especially late in the season. But this is still a team that has talent on the defensive side of the ball. Gregory uh, Rasuo, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, he had a phenomenal freshman year. One of the better players uh, in, in the country in terms of pass rushers. And he's going to be a name that I think everybody's going to be talking about. Still a lot of talent there because it is Miami. They always bring in talent. But, I mean, it's it's just they're a very confusing program. Still, going to Hard Rock Stadium, never easy. Uh, Carolina, of course, had a, the, of course the exciting game there a few years ago in 2016 that they pulled out the victory there with the Jeremiah Clark uh, fumble recovery. But, you know, Carolina, they've had some decent success against Miami. Of course, one last year in the thriller with the Dads Newsome touchdown uh, within the final two minutes of the game. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird trying to figure out what Miami is, and then you also throw in the De'Ara King situation with him going there uh, from Houston, a very talented quarterback that missed last year, but was one of those guys that was picked as a possible Heisman sleeper. I, I mean, here's here's my question. What the hell is Miami? What, what are they this year? Are they a competitor or no? I mean... Uh, Miami, the... <sighs> See, we, we, we don't know. The we best way no I was going idea. to describe them was probably going to be a little too controversial. Um, a lot of talent on both sides of the football. It's a lack of coaching, a lack of buy-in from players. Uh, that, that really is why they are what they are. Um, there's no reason why that team shouldn't be winning nine to ten games on a year year in year out basis, competing for ACC championships. It's just that simple. But they're not. Um, I think Miami's got to give Manny Diaz time to figure it out how to run a program with so much expected of them. I just think we've got to get to a point where we're going to quit picking Miami because of their their Miami. I think for so long we just think, well, they're Miami, so they're going to be good. Well, the last decade shows us that's not the case. They've the had lust, one year. The lust of the early 2000s and the 90s. It's is gone. gone. It's gone. It's and not the same program. Anymore. They're just a program that's got a lot. They've got a lot of history. Right. And they've got a lot of talent. But that doesn't win you football games. Kind of like USC. Yeah. I mean, and same sense. Very similar situation. So this is a game for Carolina that, you know, you're probably going to go down there. You're, you're probably the better team. You may not have more talent, but you're probably a better team. Definitely. Um, I'm going to trust Mac Brown and our staff over Manny Diaz and his staff. It's it's all the other things that you just gotta you gotta go in there and play. And I think that's something that this game, like if Carolina loses, isn't gonna probably be a detriment to their coastal title chances. But it's still a pretty big game. I mean, Miami was beating Carolina for most of the game in Keenan Stadium earlier this year. Carolina started started hot. Once the game settled in, uh, Miami took apart. Miami controlled the, the second and third quarter. Right. Um, it took a fourth and seventeen mishap that allowed Carolina to win the ball game. So it's going to be a test, but one that you think Carolina is very built to go compete in. Well, the one thing that I'll that I'll give to Miami is is if De'Ara King can be what they think he can be then they are going to have a chance to have a really good year. Because let's be really honest, what's the one thing they've really lacked since the early 2000s? Their quarterback, quarterback. play has been a bit um, 
more problem of I thought Dan Enos his game planning last year didn't make any sense. Well, he, they switched three different quarterbacks. Even, even out. in our game, it, uh, the game plan that they ran against us was the right kind of game plan for Williams at the quarterback position. He tore us apart, man. You know, so, now he's not even with the program anymore. He's, I, he's in the transfer portal. That's where so. I, I I say the coaching has has really hurt them because right. the talent is there. Well, I mean the quarterback position. I mean, look who who has really been that great since the since the early two thousands. Robert Marv? No. Uh, I mean, Ja'Cory Harris? No. Not the type of guys that you would think Miami would be bringing in. So, De'Ara King's a guy that was, you know, looked at as a potential Heisman sleeper a year ago. If he can be that same type of guy, it could that can help Miami out. But I, I, I'm, I think it's a very important game for Carolina, and I'll be interested to see. I think that matchup between King and, and Howell is going to be a good one, uh, especially if he can play as well as we think he can play. Uh, then they go back at a conference for the final time, this one early in November, so they get uh, they don't have that, that bye week right before state like they have had in the past. Uh, but November 7th against UConn, of course, three all-time meetings, Carolina 3-0. We remember the last time, 2009. Uh, up there, Carolina beat them 38 to 12. Pounded a really good Connecticut team at the time. Uh, the cool thing is, Randy Etzel is there. The bad thing is, Randy Etzel's team this time around is complete garbage. They are horrible. This was a team that pretty much, pretty much. Got told, uh, yeah, we don't think that your product is good enough to keep us around in the American Conference. That's not enough reason to stay. We're focused on the basketball program. We're going to move back to the Big East in basketball, and they're going to become an uh, an independent, uh, and they will stay as a FBS team, but will be an independent uh, for the 2020 season. And yeah, this is a team that, again, they're going to return just about every guy um, from last year, including all 11 starters on defense, unless someone has transferred that I haven't seen. But uh, just a team that really is is so, so far from that team that we faced in 2009. Yeah, uh, glorified bye week for Carolina to start the month of November. They will start a stretch of three pretty big games. Um, and you said it. This is not the same UConn program that when we were playing them back in the last decade. Those were big-time games for Carolina. Right. Those were games that we were trying to see where we were at under Butch Davis. Not the same um, now. Um, Randy Etzel's a good coach. That's just it's a hard place to win football games, man. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. You're in, a, you're in a bad recruiting area. You're at a school that doesn't care if you've got a good football program or not. So it's a tough job, um, and I, I know we announced a home and home with them later in the in the decade. Interested to see if, if that's how we if that's who we use for our kind of our our second non power our our second non ACC game. So I wanted to talk about this because one of our guys that that we've known for a while, a big time Clemson fan, reached out and said, you know, I, I don't you know I don't I don't really get why you guys are scheduling them in twenty six and twenty seven. You know, that's not really a great football program. Am I? Are you with me on this? When this team starts to build momentum and win games, you're going to see some different home-and-home series that will have a little more significance to them. This is one that you're getting locked up now. This this home-and-home might not ever be played even. They could drop this later on in the schedule. But I think this is one of those ones that, you know, you, you put on the schedule, and as you sort of find out where this program is at, 
then they'll adjust accordingly, moving up to play, let's say, you know, a, a Texas or a Baylor in a home-and-home, home. or eventually moving up to go back to, remember the one that was uh, that we had in place uh, a while back and actually got canceled. We would have been playing them, I believe, this year. Ohio State had a home-and-home home with them at one time that was scheduled. So I think that's kind of why they scheduled that. Get them on there. If your program is, you know, struggling after Mac Brown ends up leaving, you leave that on the schedule. That can help you get back to where you need to get to. Um, but if not, I think that could be one that's dropped later on for a, a better home-and-home home series down. Yeah, it's not. It, there may be a possibility, but also um, you, you want to guarantee yourself at least one win a year. There you go. That's a good point. That's an easy way to do it because, I mean, well, outside of the guaranteed wins over State and Duke, you're gonna, oh, there you, you want to have that other, that other guaranteed win, so... All right, so then we move on to a game that seemed like a guarantee win uh, up until last season whenever they would play them in the ACC, and that was Pittsburgh. November 14th, it'll be at home. Uh, last year, the Tar Heels dropped a, another thriller, 34-27, to 27, uh, part of that back-to-back -back with Virginia where the team was just really, really beat up fought as hard as they could, but just could not find a way to pull out the victory. This year, it'll be back in Keenan Stadium. Of course, uh, Kenny Pickett returns for the Panthers, but again, below average quarterback that, you know, just really uh, is kind of a game manager. Uh, and, and they're a team that, once again, if they're going to be successful, you would feel like finally Pat Narduzzi's got his defense playing the way he wants it to. So you would think that if they're going to be successful, they're going to have to play well defensively, and they're going to have to run the football well. I think Pittsburgh has a chance to do that again, but I'm not quite as high on Pittsburgh as I was on them a year ago. I still think they're going to be a good team, but this feels like one of those games that if Carolina is going to win the Coastal, especially with this being the last game of their Coastal schedule, they're going to have to win this one at home. Interested to see how Mac Brown responds after embarrassing us Tar Heel fans by losing to Pittsburgh. Uh, there's one thing that Larry Fedora Stop. could do well was he could beat the Panthers. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, uh, Pittsburgh, not not the same kind of team they've been in the last couple years. I'm with you. If, if they're going to be good, and look, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of, of Pickett than you are. Um, Definitely, yeah. If, if, yeah. if they're going to win games, it's because they're going to be able to run the, run the ball, control the clock, and play good defense. But I, I, I don't think they're going to be at that point in the year playing in a meaningful game. I don't think I think this game that I think that game falls into you wanna you wanna play in Charlotte, you gotta beat Pittsburgh. It's at home. It's right. in November. You gotta win that game. I think it could be meaningful just because uh haven't we said that the last two years about Pittsburgh where we said, yeah, we probably don't think they're gonna be playing in meaningful games. And what have they done? Well, they've gone to an ACC championship game. Now, granted, as a as a team that finished the season seven and seven, but uh, they, they're still one of those teams that you just never really know with them. They always somehow find a way to be in the thick of the race late in the season. So it'll be interesting, but I agree. That wraps up the ACC Coastal schedule for Carolina. So their final two games come uh, against Atlantic opponents, and it will start on November 21st against Boston College. The game, of course, is up uh, in Chestnut Hill, so uh, a, a very interesting matchup. Believe it or not, this is just the sixth time that these two teams will play each other, and the first time since 2013 uh, when Carolina blew them away 34-10. to uh, And look, Boston College, this was a team that we were just kind of waiting, waiting for them to take that next step. They never did. 
And unfortunately, that led to the firing of Steve Adazio, one of my favorite coaches in all of college football, because let's be real honest, who doesn't like to watch guys just being dudes? It's all great. It's all great. Now it's Jeff Halfley who comes in. Uh, very interesting hire. Uh, he was a guy that was a secondaries coach all the way up until last year and then was the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. So he is a young guy, not a whole lot of experience, comes in. Uh, they're really just looking for someone at, with a, a fresh perspective uh, to try to take over the program. And look, they have a lot leaving. A.J. Dillon gone to the NFL, Anthony Brown in the transfer portal. So uh, it looks like Boston College is going to probably have a year that uh, they're going to need to rebuild in, so uh, this this could be one of those games that I think if this was on the schedule a year ago, it's a much different game than it's going to be in this one. I, I feel like this is one that Carolina should be able to go up to Chestnut Hill and take from the Eagles. Uh, I made the comment earlier about the ACC not being aware of scheduling certain games. The fact that they schedule this game for November is just a joke. Um, the weather you know, up there in Massachusetts could play a really big factor in this game. V- very possible. Um, we haven't we haven't gone to Boston College in almost in over a decade, and yeah. you're going to schedule that for the second last week of the season. Get out of here. But out, outside of that, programming rebuild, they don't have the kind of talent to compete with the, the Tar Heels. Yep. At that point, Carolina could be playing for a lot of things bigger. So, game that Carolina should win um, rather easily. I. <laughs> I want to see Boston College good in something. You know, like, they're not good in football. They're not good in basketball. But I feel like right. they, there's, like, this underlying fan base that wants them to be good. They're good in hockey. They <laughs> There you go. Yeah. There's your sport. Um, uh, and, I mean, like, no one cares about the NHL. No one cares about college hockey. There we go. Feel bad feel Always bad taking for the shot at the NHL. Well, Got to sneak um, that in. It Terrible. was, you know. There are hurricane fans that listen to this podcast. Come on. I'm just mad this game's in November. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. That is interesting, though. I really did was not thinking about that until you said it. The weather could could play a factor. Now, the good thing is is that you this is a game where you really want Javante Williams healthy for this game because that's the way that uh, that, that they're going to play at Boston College. That's one thing they've always done is play physical defense. And now they've got a defensive-minded coach in there. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be the same thing. It's just this is one of those games where you should be able to outscore them. They, they are not going to be a good offensive team. It's really just that simple. So then we finish up the season. Of course, you know who it's against. It's going to be a six-day turnaround because they're going to play again on Black Friday. This is the second meeting uh, within the last five years that will be played uh, on the Friday after Thanksgiving. It'll be November 27th at home against NC State. Of course, you guys remember last year, Carolina with a 41-10 win after a slow start. They beat the brakes off of the crappy Wolfpack. Uh, That team was awful a year ago. Uh, They will be better this year. Uh, Again, they lose a lot in the trenches though. Uh, That seems to be a thing that they've been going through for the last couple of years. Um, I I think that they'll still find a way to replace a lot of those guys. Uh, Their skill players still not great, but they still have some interesting guys that could make some noise. Really for NC State, it comes down to this. 
Are they playing with desperation at that point in the season to try to keep Dave Doran's job? And do they finally have a quarterback locked down that can take over for Ryan Finley? Uh, because they couldn't find that guy last year. They're going to have to spend uh, the early part of the season finding him again this year. Uh, but again, you talk about a talent differential. Carolina has the talent differential in this game. It's just, uh, I, I think at this point, it's going to be one of those things that's going to be a want to because, you know, coming off of a, a game against Boston College that could be a little bit of a, of a tough-nosed battle. I think Carolina's got to be ready for this one, especially on a short turnaround. And NC State, team that I, I think at this point they realize is, is their big rival. Yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this game being on Friday. Um, that means I get to enjoy rivalry Saturday without having to worry about watching my team play. Oh, that's I know, brilliant. Uh, I know Mac Brown complained about that. I, I think what you said is exactly right. What is NC State coming into this game? What are they? What are they playing for? If they're playing for anything, um, hopefully they're playing for Dave Dorn's job because that means we can just enjoy kicking his ass for the foreseeable future. Well, do we future. want him fired or do we want him in place? It's the ultimate question because he, uh, you know, no, I, I don't, want him there. I don't think he's yeah exactly. I he's not better than Mac Brown. I so. um, I I really enjoy whooping his butt. So I think that's going to be the thing: is what's what are they playing for um, in that ball game? As as for Carolina, what's Carolina playing for, and and, and what how all does that feed into the emotions of that game? That is the rivalry right. on the football side of things. Um, Carolina hasn't beaten NC State at home in the last one, two, is it three times they played in Chapel Hill. They last lost. last time they won was Geo's punt return. Yeah, in Keenan. Yes. So you're going yes. on. Uh, so I was Larry Fedora's first year. So that was 2012. Last time you beat yep. beat uh, NC State at home. That's enough motivation right there to go win the game. So and it's it's probably still going to be important in the coastal because it might you, the coastal. It always seems to be like this. It's probably going to come down to the last week of the season. So you are going to have to find a way to win that game. And, you know, I think, again, you look at where Carolina is right now on the recruiting trail, you know, even over the past couple of years under Larry Fedora, NC State only one time had a better recruiting class than Carolina. So, again, the talent is there for you. It's just the will to win. And, you know, we we thought that the last time that they played on that Friday after Thanksgiving. What happened? Carolina came out, came out, got down 21. Had to try to fight their way back into the game. That's what they got to avoid in this one. Uh, but it's going to be an exciting finish to what should be a very exciting 2020 season. So this is a look at the schedule for the 2020 season. That's our little breakdown for you. Uh, of course, we'll be doing so much more, plenty more in-depth stuff uh, as we go throughout the offseason. Of course, I mean, believe it or not, uh, we're recording this on January 31st. Uh, spring practice is just a little over a month and a half away before they open up. So uh, it is, it's moving fast already. Um, the recruiting trail is on fire right now. Of course, uh, you guys can go back, check out the podcast that we did uh, yesterday with Langston Wirtz Jr. of the Charlotte Observer where he broke down uh, what Power Eccles commitment means for Carolina. That's a good one. Uh, so make sure you guys go back and listen to that. Uh, he also talks about some of the other really talented guys coming out of Charlotte in the 2021 class that the Tar Heels have good ties with. So uh, make sure you guys 
guys go back and listen to that, uh, as well as our episode uh, that we did uh, just about a week ago now uh, with me and Zach, where we went and give you and gave you our top targets in the 2021 class. Uh, Power Eccles was in there at the time. That was before he committed. So uh, we've also got a breakdown of Caleb Hood in there that will uh, make it worth your while as well. So go back and listen to that. So uh, we'll finish up with a couple of the storylines, the 40-yard dash here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. And uh, we started out with a couple of former Tar Heels going elsewhere. Of course, former head coach Larry Fedora. He is going to be the offensive coordinator at Baylor under Dave Aranda's new staff, so congratulations to Coach Fedora. Uh, Seems to be a really good fit for him. His offenses at Carolina were always really, really strong. Um, Went back, looked at the numbers, and uh, wow, they are very surprising uh, just how good they were. 33.3 points per game and nearly nearly 400 yards of offense per game in his time on campus. So uh, his offenses were never the problem. It seems like that's a really, really good fit for him, especially under a defensive-minded head coach like Dave Miranda. Those two should be able to work together really well, so we wish him the best of luck there. Uh, another former Tar Heel going elsewhere, Carl Tucker, the tight end, uh, the graduate transfer tight end, is heading to Alabama. So he is going to play under Nick Saban in his final year of eligibility. He'll have a chance to potentially go and win a national championship, so we wish the best of luck to Carl. Uh, and the Tar Heels, of course, uh, going to be looking for a new starting tight end this year. Uh, of course, Garrett Walston started most of the end of last year. Uh, but they are going to be looking for uh, some guys that can rotate in, so uh, that'll be interesting to see. That'll be another battle to keep an eye on that we'll talk about as we go throughout uh, spring practice. Uh, Tar Heels are one of eight remaining in the race for 2021 athlete Gabe Stevens, a guy that really kind of projects into that safety linebacker type role that we've been talking about so much with Jay Bateman's defense, uh, and the Tar Heels one of the eight remaining for him, a team that got an early jump on him uh, that is not in his top eight is South Carolina. So that's big for uh, the Tar Heels, and uh, they have a real chance to potentially lock up uh, one of the more talented prospects in the 2021 class in the state of North Carolina. Of course, he does have the relationship with current North Carolina commit and expected uh, February signee Elijah Burris up there at Mount Island Charter High School. And finally, we talked about it just a little bit, but wanted to make it official. The Tar Heels have set up a home-and-home with Connecticut in the 2026 season. It'll be in Keenan, and in 2027, they'll head up to stores to take on the Huskies up there. So, that does it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. As we mentioned, go on to HeelToughBlog.com. You can check out all the articles up there for football. We've got you covered with uh, everything from the Power Eccles commitment, Caleb Hood's commitment, if you go back a little bit. We tell you who we think is going to be the next to commit. There's three guys on there that we're telling you to keep an eye on, so go see who that is. And we have the in-depth schedule breakdown for you guys as well. You can read uh, the breakdown a little more in-depth where we give you a couple of statistics and everything as well about the game. So make sure you guys go back and check that out. Also, head on to the site and check out all the basketball stuff that we've got going on. Carolina looks like they're starting to round into form just a little bit. Cole Anthony could be coming back. We've got you covered with all of that as the team gets ready 
ready to take on the Boston College Eagles uh, on Saturday. That one at home in the Smith Center, so it's going to be a fantastic matchup. We'll have you covered. The preview is uh, going up here in just a little while, and then after uh, that, we will have you covered with everything in terms of the recap as well as my analysis of the game, and we'll take you throughout the rest of the season as we close in, including some very important games coming up against our biggest rival, the Duke Blue Devils. And I also want to... uh want you guys to know you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere. We'd love it if you'd like. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Those are the main sites uh, that I think everybody really uses, but it's pretty much on any of the major websites uh, that you guys uh, can find your podcast. So make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We'd really, really appreciate that. And uh, if you guys could as well, if you listen to the podcast, if you read the articles, uh, please, if you can, just share them into the Facebook groups that you're in uh, or onto your own timelines, whether it's on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, we really are just trying to spread the word, and we've had some trouble uh, spreading it with uh, some of the other accounts that we've been normally spreading our news around with. Uh, some of them have been shut down in some of the Facebook groups, so we'd really appreciate it if you guys uh, could share it for us and help us out uh, just to kind of uh, spread the word uh, that the Heel Tough blog has you covered on everything Tar Heel uh, basketball and football. So, once again, want to thank Josh for hosting this edition of the podcast with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!